101.1 FM Columbia and KCOU.FM. Here on KCOU 88.1 FM. Uh, Columbia, happy Sunday. Happy NBA All-Star Game Sunday. And uh, good morning, Nick. Good morning. It's a great day to have a great show. And we have a not not as much as we had last week with the trade deadline. We had a lot last week, but we have a lot of fun things, starting off with the NBA and then jumping into a little NFL, college basketball, and then going into some scandals as well with the Astros and Man City. It's going to be a fun one. It's going to be a fun one. And let's get right into it. Okay. Uh, let's do it. Uh, last Sunday, we had Bojan Bogdanovic sinking a late three to lead the Utah Jazz past the Houston Rockets. Yeah, you know, it's just another another close game that the Rockets seem to lose. They lose. They don't really get blown out a lot, in my opinion. They seem to lose very short-handedly. They they don't lose by a lot, and they're very competitive in basketball games, which is good. But these are the losses that do suck, especially when you let Jordan Clarkson score thirty points on you, and you let Bogdanovich, who had maybe one or two makes throughout the entire night, beat you. So yeah, that was his second make of the day. So, you know, tough scenes, but I still see them as one of the big contenders in the Western Conference. Uh, I mean, I don't think they're one of the bigger contenders of the uh, Western Conference, but let's talk a little bit more about that shot that Bogdanovich took. What an incredible and, you know, unlikely shot to go in that that was. I think that there was a metric, which is like 12 percent percent chance of going in or something along those lines you know there was barely any time left on the clock he got it off the inbound he shot it in between two defenders just an uh, incredible shot and an incredible finish on that shot to uh, get that to go in and send the jazz past the rockets anything else you have on this game nothing else just an incredible shot and something we had to put in so it is in that okay. is shot of the nba week right there can you write that one down, Ethan, for yeah, I got later? It. Yep. Yes, sir. And then going on to Monday, the LA Chargers, short for Los Angeles, of course, and Phillip Rivers have mutually agreed to part ways. Ethan, do you have any thoughts on this decision? I mean, it's it's tough because he's been their guy since he really entered the league. And where do the Chargers really go from here is the next question. Who is going to play quarterback for them next year? Are they going to draft someone? Are they going to try and spend big here in the free agent market? Do they have someone in-house that can take over that job? Is he capable of taking over that job and competing with the Kansas City Chiefs in the West? Well, head coach Anthony Lynn said, according to ESPN.com, that he could earn the starting position. And I think he could, too. He is a starter. He's a starting caliber player. Who is he going to compete with for the job? Because there's nobody else really in-house right now that they can have a quarterback competition with. 
So who do you think they are going to sign or well, draft? Not necessarily sign. I could see them with the sixth pick in the draft. Looking down they have the, the list. Sixth pick. Excuse me, I'm trying to explain to you what's going to happen here. It's called the genie here. So well, you got the Bengals. They're going to draft Joe Burrow. We'll get into that later on into our weekly walk. And then the Redskins, they just drafted a quarterback. Don't see them. Lions have Matthew Stafford. Giants just drafted a quarterback. The Miami Dolphins, that's the that's the fifth team. They could draft Justin Herbert. But if Justin Herbert slides past the Dolphins, I could see the Chargers potentially drafting Justin Herbert. But with that being said, they might just sit him behind Tyrod and learn behind Tyrod for a year. Seems to be the smart way to do things. And you think it would be Justin Herbert? It wouldn't be a Jalen Hurts type pick? It I don't wouldn't see be a Jaylen, Tua type pick? I don't see Jalen going. Yeah, I mean, it could be Tua. Now that you say that, it could because be Because this past week we have seen that he is uh, recovering pretty quickly from his nasty hip leg injury that he suffered late in Alabama's season this year. So... I don't know. It's a it's a decent quarterback draft this year. It's decent. It's not as good as some of the ones we've seen, but it's not bad. I'd say it's yeah, I'd say it's really decent. I like Justin Herbert. He could have been a first round pick last year. Showed showed a lot of promise in games that I, at least I watched, played pretty well. And, you know, you got guys like Joe Burrow, had one of the greatest, if not the greatest, season in college football history last year. And then Jalen Hurts, just a beast both you know on and off the field as a character and then got Tua who was about to be a Heisman trophy winner as well so it's going to be interesting to see how those guys mature but I definitely think it is one of the better drafts and then yeah okay so now we move on to Duke yes we're done with the we're done with yeah, the Chargers. Yeah. Move on to Duke, who took down number eight Florida State in a top ten battle at Cameron Indoor Stadium, seventy to sixty five. The Blue Devils were led by, I believe it was Trey Jones with thirteen points. Uh, Jordan Goldwire also added thirteen, and Matthew Hurt added twelve off the bench. And the Seminoles were led by Trent Forrest with eighteen. I mean, to, for Duke to win. Despite turning the ball over 21 times in a 40-minute basketball game, is pretty is pretty impressive. But what is even more impressive is Florida State was competitive in this basketball game, shooting three for 17 or three for 18 from three. Excuse me, three for 18, shooting a whopping 16 percent. And Florida State does force a lot of turnovers. They're a very long team. They have very big players, uh, so that is something to look out for. Uh, just in general, as we get towards the postseason, Florida State could upset some teams. Florida State could make a deep tournament run. They almost did last year. They almost did last year, if I remember correctly. How far did they get last year? Do you remember? I don't have it off the top of my head. Nope. Let me let me do a quick Google search. We can move on, though. Nothing much else to say. That That call at the end was definitely an interesting factor. I mean, are you talking about the elbow? Yeah. He didn't actually hit him with the elbow. If you look at the video angles, he didn't actually make contact with him with the elbow. It was a flop. So, I don't know. It was tough. Do we really have nothing for Tuesday on here? I I was trying. I was trying my best. I, there wasn't much this week, in my opinion. I was... Uh, I was trying to dig, but there was nothing to... All I was finding was dirt. There were no gems on Tuesday. 
At least well, according to me. <laughs> okay, so then we'll move straight on to Wednesday. The Los Angeles Lakers beat the Denver Nuggets 120 to 116. Uh, the Lakers were led by, you know, the the duo that's led them all season, Anthony Davis and LeBron James with 33 and 32 points respectively and the uh the Nuggets got 32 from Jamal Murray, 22 from Jokic, and, you know, a handful from a few others, Gary Harris, Grant, and Millsap all added double figures as well. So uh, we're looking at the Western Conference standings right now, and are the Lakers the team to beat? Is the Lakers Are the Lakers going to the NBA Finals this year? What do we think? 100% if AD and LeBron are healthy. I don't even see it. As anyone being able to get close to them. By the way, Florida State lost in the Sweet 16 to Gonzaga. But Thank you. also beating John Morant, who might win Rookie of the Year. Nevertheless, I see the Lakers. I see the Lakers coming out of the Western Conference. So we are looking at the West. They have a four-game lead on the Nuggets, a five-game lead on the Clippers, five and a half-game lead on the Jazz, and then we start getting we start stretching when we get to the Rockets at the five spot with seven and a half games behind. Yeah. Yeah, there's um you know, I there's a lot of there's a big there's a big jump I feel like with the Lakers. That's just because they're just the better team. They haven't been able to beat the Clippers, but it come playoff time I think it's going to be a different story. LeBron is basically pacing himself. That's that's what regular seasons are. He's playing a little harder than he usually does, but But where's the load management? There is no load exactly. management. There is no load management for for LeBron, who is in year 16, 17? I believe it's 17. I believe it is too. Um if you're looking and then just real quick, I uh, I said the Rockets seven and a half games behind, and then the, the Thunder and the Mavs are both thirty-three and twenty-two, uh holding a four and a half game lead over the Grizzlies in the eighth spot. The Grizzlies then hold a four game lead over the Trailblazers, trailing them in the ninth spot. Does Memphis hold on to a playoff spot and make the playoffs in this first year of this John ja Morant era? No, I don't think so. I see Portland. I say who I comes, see, who I see comes Mem- back to take it. You have Portland four games behind, San Antonio five games behind, and New Orleans five and a half games behind. I see Memphis dropping off, at least going on somewhat of a losing streak, and then Portland just battling back it should be closer but of course they had that missed goaltending call should just go back and replay the game in my opinion next time those teams meet each other that's none of my business so the the grizzlies two games over 500 right now do you think they keep over 500 for the end of the season or they really drop off they might keep over 500 but okay and then yeah portland is is uh looks like six games under 500 but I do see Portland going on a tear. But when I look at the top of the Western Conference, I see the Denver Nuggets. If I was a Lakers fan, I would not be worried at all about the Denver Nuggets. They're pretty abysmal, in my opinion. They're if if you're worried about someone, it's got to be the Clippers, and I maybe mean, the Thun or maybe the uh, maybe the Rockets. I mean, I guess. But, but if Portland sneaks in, it'll be a fun first-round matchup. 100%. I see. <laughs> if the Grizzlies stay in, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. The, <laughs> the Grizzlies will get uh, swept. W- waxed. 
And then and then you see the Clippers. In my opinion, they're just too small. They're too little out there, Eth. There's nothing you can what are they gonna do? You gonna put Montrez Harold on A D or there's just going to be a flaw somewhere, and they're not as deep as the Lakers, in my opinion. The Lakers have guys like Alex Caruso who can put in valuable minutes despite any memes. He puts in valuable minutes. They got guys like Danny Green, Rondo coming off the bench with the new three-point shot. This is arguably LeBron's most talented team he's ever played on right here. So I don't understand why anyone's even— You don't think, you mm, don't think that Heat team was no, more talented? I do not. I do not. I think that this team is set up perfectly for LeBron to win a title. Even though that Heat team will probably end up having three Hall of Famers on them. Yeah, just top to bottom, this Lakers team's better. Hmm. Like we look at we look at the big guys for this team. You have Anthony Davis, you have Anthony Davis, Javel, and who am I thinking of? Dwight. We got those three running big. And if they had Boogie Cousins, it wouldn't even be a question. But they do not, of course. Is he going to be able to come back for the postseason? No. Okay. Probably not. He tore his ACL. I doubt it. Along with recovering from that Achilles injury a couple years ago. And then you've got spot-up shooters like Danny Green, Avery Bradley playing defense on the perimeter. Quinn Cook barely sees time. That's how good this team is. He was a big contributor in not only the Warriors' playoff run, but in Game 6 of the NBA Finals when he had to step in for Clay. And they almost won that game against the Toronto Raptors. And then, like I said, you've got guys like Rondo. Alex Crusoe has a very high basketball IQ. That's why he plays. you got a good player in Kyle Kuzma who is young and able to create his own shot very well. I see this as a team that is one of LeBron's better, if not the best. So I see them making it out of the West. Maybe not with as much ease as I am talking about, but... I see them making it out of the West, especially because when they play the Clippers, they will get seven home games. Yeah, because they'll all be in the Staples Center. <laughs> You're absolutely right. So, do you have any? Who do you think is going to come out of the Western Conference? I, I'm, I'm still, I still, I'm going to say the Clippers. I think. Why? I don't know. That's just my gut instinct. I, I ran with it at the beginning of the season. I said the Clippers were going to make it out. I said the Lakers were going to be uh, second. I mean, I I do think the Lakers finish with the one seed here at the end of this, at the end of this regular season. But I really do think that the Clippers are going to find a way to beat them. We all said that we all said that the the Raptors and Kawhi Leonard didn't have a chance really against the Bucks last year, and we saw what happened. So it's basketball. Anything can happen. And they have a lot of talent. While they might not have the same level of talent that the Lakers have, they have a tremendous amount of talent on the other side of L.A. So, And then along with that, I see hot take Anthony Davis and LeBron James. That's some modern-day Shaq and Kobe right there. They're going to win as many titles as they can if they are both healthy on the same team. Might not win three, but if they're both healthy... They're going to win the title. You're not going to be able to stop them. There is not a duo in basketball that's anywhere near as dominant. Care if it's Paul George and Kawhi, Luke and Kristaps, Giannis and Chris Middleton. Nobody's stopping them. Nobody. Okay. You think anyone's stopping them? 
We'll see. We'll see what the next free agent period brings. Nothing. I mean, everyone's signed. Everyone's signed to deals right now. No one's going to... We'll see. No one's a free agent next year. Everyone's signed their deals. That's why this offseason was so crazy. It was. Uh, But, yeah, we're going to jump onwards uh, down the Wednesday slate. Uh, Number five, Louisville loses to Georgia Tech, 64-58. This was the number five team's first loss of the week. We will get into what happened later this week. Uh, as we get to Saturday. Uh, but you look at just an overall not good performance from the starting five of Louisville. Not one of them got into double figures. Uh, there were two people on their bench that got into double figures, Johnson and Williams. Both had 16 points. But then you look at the Georgia Tech side, and everybody that started got into double figures. Again, I'm just I'm just upset with the NCAA and their decisions of extending out the three-point line because I'm going to read I'm going to just read both the numbers from the three-point line again Louisville the number five team in the country going into this week obviously won't be next week three for 24 from three and then Georgia Tech shot a whopping four for 14 at 28 percent this is this is disgusting absolutely disgusting like it's just ruining the game of college basketball. Like, like they're trying to make it more... They're trying to make an amateur basketball association more like the NBA or a professional league. Why? Why are we doing this? I don't get it. I mean, we see it all the time with... We see it all the time with the games that we watch here at Mizzou Arena, too, live. Just a tremendous amount of mysteries. We'll get into a little bit of what Auburn shot... Last night from three-point range, was a decent three-point shooting team last year and has a lot of the same stars. So, But I, I would completely agree with your fact that moving back to three-point line was a mistake. <laughs> I mean, we even saw it last year in the in the uh, Final Four games when Auburn lost, and you, and you said that that one call at the end on Kyle Guy was what lost him the game, and then I point out that they shot like 15% from three or something along those lines. Like, teams just, there's a lot of, like, the three-point line just, it's not like it's too short to where you can't stop it. Like, you can stop it, in my opinion. And that is just statistically proven. And any metric for three-point percentage has just gone down significantly given that they pushed it back. So I just think they need to, I don't know what they can do. I don't know if they can make it shorter now. I don't know how that rule goes into process. But I would like for them to eventually move it inward again because, the product that we are getting in college basketball has just been dwindling so much and so much, and it's my favorite, my favorite form of basketball for a variety of reasons. And it just feels like it's getting worse and worse, given that the rule change or, rule changes are trying to get it more modernized, and it there's just a certain skill level that comes with it, and they just don't have that. And the rules entirely don't. The rules just don't promote that style of play either so okay <laughs> it's, uh. it's annoying it's annoying i hate watching it it is tough moving down the uh wednesday slate uh you're gonna have to help me with this name because i can't pronounce it but colorado targets uh because they lost their head coach he went to michigan state this week they target uh alum and the chief's offensive coordinator eric Bienemy. Bienemy. 
I actually spelled that right. I didn't even look at my phone to spell it. I was pretty I was pretty happy with myself. How but, how would this hire be for the buffs? I mean, it'd be huge. I mean, it'd be huge for I mean, that's a I mean, the offense we we've seen in the NFL offenses that have a lot of talent not succeed. We've seen it I mean, just recently with the Cleveland Browns, who have Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry and the number one overall pick in Baker Mayfield. Nick Chubb. Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt Hunt coming in on this later half of the year. (laughs) And Eric Bieniemy has been able to put all those those great receivers in decent O-line, along with the best quarterback in the league, to put together one of the most prolific offenses we've ever seen. So I have two questions. Go ahead. At Colorado, he would not have the same kind of talent, nor the five-star recruits that a lot of other places would have. Would he still be able to be successful running an offense that he was comfortable with running in the NFL at Colorado if he's not does not have the same talent? He's not going to have a quarterback that can throw the ball 70 yards down the field. It's just a fact. That's kind of... Well, he doesn't need a quarterback to do that. But like he's not. Level. But you understand what I mean, right? You no, know, I get what you're saying. He's obviously not going to have a quarterback the likes of Patrick Mahomes. He's he's not going to have wide receivers like the ones you have. He's not going to have Travis Kelsey. He's going to be playing against teams with much better defenses than are compared to his offense out there in the Pac-12 because he's going to have to play teams like Oregon and Utah, who are good. The Southern California schools. But he's still a good offensive mind. Absolutely. But do you think he'll be able to put together a system that will work out there with considerably less talent than he has in the NFL right now? 100%. I mean, this is the guy who ran the best offense in football in NFL. I don't see why he couldn't take a step down and go to college and be successful. Okay. If he was given the right resources. The resources might not be there. I would like to see him return to the Chiefs and try and get an NFL head coaching job personally because I believe that's what he deserves not going to Colorado but if he wants to go to Colorado he is and then more than obligated my second question on this topic is what does this mean for the Chiefs if he leaves probably just business as usual I mean does Andy Reid call the plays on offense um I'm actually not for sure. I I feel like Eric so does. Who calls the who calls the offensive plays? I love how you ask me questions that I do not know the answer to today. Play for Chiefs. I'm about to give you your answer. Because Yeah, Eric Bienemy calls the plays. So what does this mean in terms of in terms of how the offense runs next year if he's not there. Do you think it stays the same? Or do you think they get somebody else who tries to do something new with it or something different with it or what? I mean, Matt Nagy, he left. And there's a few others. Doug Doug Peterson left. There's a lot of guys who have coached under Andy Reid at that offensive coordinator. Correct. And you seem to have stepped up every time that that's happened. But do you see – I mean – if he leaves, there, there's nowhere else really to step up to, correct? What do you mean? What's your question? You're now the best offense in the league. And you, you were saying how those offensive coordinators have left under Andy Reid and the offense keeps getting better after each one leaves. It no, it doesn't have to be better. It's stay but, the same. Huh? It stay the same. Do you think it does stay the same or do you think it drops off? I mean, do you see Patrick Mahomes dropping off 
right now? No, but he's in a he's in a he's in a system that he's completely comfortable in. Do you and think the system stays the same? I'm just saying that doesn't always happen when you bring in a new coordinator. Yeah, well, nobody's nobody's going to come in as the offensive coordinator and say, "Oh, we're changing up the system." I don't think that it's, that's happening. If they bring in a new offensive coordinator, the system won't be exactly the same. It, it if it okay if they hire eternally, it will be. I don't know who they're going to hire, and he also hasn't left yet, so it's hard to. It's, it's hard. hard to, it's a hypothetical it's, question. It's hard to say. I mean, I see. I don't see him taking the, that job. I see him waiting for an NFL head coaching that job. That makes sense. But if he leaves for any sort of job, regardless of what it is, I see it as being business as usual, and I don't see them changing the system because it works perfectly fine. And I assume whoever the offensive coordinator is wants to keep their job. <laughs> you don't want to change the system. I mean, I mean, design new plays. I mean, that's not, that's not what I'm saying. But And then... Are we done with this topic? Yeah, yeah, go uh, ahead. I was going to say, we're going to move on. We're going to talk about the Cincinnati Bengals looking to trade Andy Dalton, then we're going to take a break. So the Cincinnati Bengals looking to trade Andy Dalton, basically paving the way for them drafting a quarterback, even though I believe Joe Burrow has stated he does not really want to play in Cincinnati. Has he? I believe he has, because there was talk on whether or not the Bengals were going to trade that pick because Joe Burrow might not want to play in Cincinnati. For one, I think... I don't think the Bengals should draft Joe Burrow. I would draft Chase Young with the first overall pick. That's who I'm drafting without a doubt because I know that Chase Young is going to be a good NFL player. I can't say the same about Joe Burrow. I know that as long as Chase Young doesn't does as long as something doesn't happen to him, I know that he is going to be a good NFL player. Injuries aside or whatever whatever may happen, I know he's going to be a beast. I can't say the same about Joe Burrow. So I Why would not? Because you need because as a quarterback with for one, look at the greatest quarterbacks in NFL history. Okay. None of them really you talk about the best ever. None of them had incredible college football success. Correct. None of them were winning Heisman trophies, winning national championships. None of them were doing all this. Look at Tom Brady. Tom Brady won a Rose Bowl at Michigan, but he was one of the worst players on the team when he got there. And things of that nature. Joe Montana was a six-round draft pick. So was Tom. Actually, Joe Montana might have been seventh. Nevertheless, how are you? I mean, how can anyone? I mean, you just don't know. It'll be know. interesting to see. I, I so just, do you think they should keep Andy Dalton? Or do you think they should look in the free agent market? I mean, if Joe Burrow doesn't want to come there, I'm not taking him. But... If should they continue to try and trade Andy Dalton, or should they look towards you know the likes of Teddy Bridgewater or the other people that are out there in free agency this offseason? I personally think Andy Dalton's a decent quarterback. I think that he gets a lot of blame as quarterbacks do, but there's a reason he's been a starter for over a decade now. Looking at the year 2020, it's there's a reason he's been a, a franchise quarterback. Okay, not many guys can say that. He's he's pretty good. He's been to the playoffs well, numerous times. We gotta we gotta move on, and we gotta take a break because we haven't done that yet. <laughs> uh, so we're gonna take a short break. Uh, we're gonna be right back. We'll start discussing Thursday and uh, the last of the NBA action before the All Star break. So we will be back in a minute. 
Tune in to one of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. Join host Garrett Jones to talk the weirdest and wackiest in all four professional sports. I'm on from Sunday nights from 5 to 6 on KCU 88.1 FM. And if you ever miss a show, catch it wherever you enjoy podcasts. It's one of these nights on KCU 88.1 FM. Want to do true-false on a budget? Consider purchasing a stay-up-late pass for an inexpensive tour of the weekend's offerings. Benefits include access to all concerts and musical showcases, admission to films starting after 9 p.m., and entry to the infamous Action Party. For information on pricing and fest passes, again, please visit truefalse.org. Truefalse 2020, March 5th through the 8th. Look at me, busy as a bee. Where'd I get all this energy? Oh, man, mm, man. I don't sleep and I don't eat, but I've got the cleanest house on the street. Oh, man, mm, man. Get these hairs all out of my face. Get these bugs all out of my place. One more hit. No time to waste. Oh, man, mm, man. back here inside Studio A at the Mizzou Student Center. Uh, You're listening to KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia and the weekly walkthrough here on that station. We are talking about Thursday of the sports week. Now we're looking at the Boston Celtics beating the LA Clippers 141-131 in double overtime. So where do the Clippers go from here and where do the Celtics go from here let's go with both of them because this is a huge win for the Celtics uh, a decently big loss for the Clippers too uh, you probably expected them to win this basketball game uh, so where do each of these teams go from here well the Celtics should try to continue to keep the three spot that they are in in the in the Eastern Conference eight games back from the Bucks. no one realistically is going to catch them but they're three games ahead of Miami for the for the third spot. And I see them needing to keep that because a matchup with Giannis in the Eastern Conference Finals would be ideal because we have seen last year where he did not perform as well as he could have, whether he was burned out or he just was was nervous in the moment. Who knows why he played as poorly as he did at times throughout that series. And... It's something. It's something you want. You want to see Giannis there rather than the first or second round. So I see them like their mission right now is to keep that three spot, three spot or two spot going in. And I could see them getting the two spot only down a game and a half to the Toronto Raptors, who were just on a incredible winning streak, about fourteen or fifteen games. So that that's their mission. Their mission is to keep where they are and then get ready for a potential NBA Finals push. And if you look at the the box score here, 
Paul George only played 15 minutes, and this was a long basketball game. Did something happen? I didn't watch this game. Did something happen I'm, to him, or I'm what's going on? Sure. I'm looking at this. He's got four points in 15 minutes on two of seven from the floor. This game went to double overtime. It's a game where, you know, Montrez Harrell scored 24. Lou Williams scored 35 points. He hurt his hamstring. He hurt his hamstring. And that is another reason why I'm not sold on the Clippers. Because they can just not find a way to get healthy, whether it's Kawhi in his knee, back, shoulder, arthritis, I don't know. Is he, is he getting up there in age? Not really, but any excuse, I guess, to not play basketball games is good enough for him. And Paul George is the one who's actually gotten hurt. I mean, I haven't seen a full list, but this is off the top of my head. He broke his leg obviously horrifically in a team USA scrimmage he he got shoulder surgery I don't know if it was on both shoulders last offseason but it was at least on one and that really hindered his performance in his MVP push last season and he's and then this year he's he's hurt his left hamstring again and ruled out throughout the game so okay I mean, he just seems to not be able to get healthy at all. So that is another thing to look at and why I don't see the Clippers being able to compete with a guy who never gets hurt. Some wood. Where is some wood? Okay. Uh, moving on. We're talking about the Astros' apology. Uh, this has been a nightmare. Uh, if you are, you know, going to school for journalism like we are, you're going to see this and what the Astros have done taught in journalism classes about public relations for what not to do for years to come. It has been a public relations nightmare for the Astros. You look at stuff like uh, when their owner, Jim Crane, says our opinion is that this, when they're talking about the sign, sign stealing, this didn't impact the game. ESPN's baseball reporter repeats back to him exactly what he said, and he goes, I didn't say it and didn't impact the game. Uh, you have stuff like Carlos Correa saying the truth comes out eventually. You have, you know, Alex Bregman saying, I'm really sorry about the choices that were made. Really? <laughs> the choices that were made, not the choices that we made. I mean, they it's, were made. They were made. They were made. But you think Alex Bregman had nothing to do with those choices? Well, I don't say. Well, he didn't say that he didn't or he didn't say that he didn't have anything to do with it, though. I think that you're taking that one a little out of context. Um, I agree with the other points, though. I just don't think that that one's necessary. Like, that one's kind of nitpicky, if you get what I'm saying. Like you saying, oh, he said, oh. The fact that these players got immunity from the MLB for telling the truth is unbelievable to me. Well, one thing that I thought was really interesting was it, and I and correct me if I'm wrong on the name, Alex Bregman, who said that Altuve didn't want to take his shirt off. It was Carlos Correa. Carl, Carlos Correa. Okay, Carlos Correa said that he didn't, that Altuve didn't want to take off his shirt because of a tattoo, which he, to this day I believe he does not have a tattoo on the his. The internet chest. has found that he does not have a tattoo. At least in 2019, so. he probably might have ran to the parlor or something and got one, but. We and then also that is conflicting evidence because a um, a reporter interviewed Altuve. I don't know the reporter's name, but he got interviewed directly after the game, and he said and he asked him why he decided to run down to the dugout, 
instead of changing on the field like every other player did. And he said that it was because his wife didn't want him to take his shirt off in like a public place or something along those lines, more or less. Come on now. And then and then uh, Yankees catcher Gary Sanchez says if he hits a walk-off home run in Game 7 of a playoff series, you could take his pants off on the field and he'd be fine with it. <laughs> Gotta love El Gary. Gotta love El Gary. No, I just think that they... They have mishandled it. I think that you said it best. They have. They need to reopen up the investigation because the MLB has seen just point after point. We just went through about four or five points that were really sketchy comments that were made and comments that, frankly, just shouldn't be acceptable and supported by an organization like the MLB. So... I think that we're both in agreement. Yeah, we are. It's just what can they do at this point? Can they go back on strip it and Strip the title. Everyone wants them to strip. Unless you are living in Houston, Texas, or an idiot, you think that they should strip the title. This title is, for their first title to be in this fashion, their franchise's first title to be in this fashion, it is embarrassing. If I was a Houston Astros fan, like, Ethan, if it came out, that the Royals or the Chiefs were cheating in such a manner like this, I would be so embarrassed. I would, like, as a fan, from a fan perspective, I would be so embarrassed for my team. And I feel like you would feel the same if it was the Cubs. Yeah, well, yeah, and we're going to we're gonna get into it with, with Manchester City here in a minute. Well, we're going to see. We're going to see how embarrassed you are. We're going to get into it with Manchester City here in a minute. But I, I don't have any more thoughts. I think that they need to reopen investigation. I think that they need to start... Truly holding players and people amongst this organization accountable, and I mean they've if, already fired some people, but if it was my, if it was my choice, my individual executive choice, I would strip the title. That is what I would I w- do. I would agree with you, and I would also agree with your point about about the Royals. And if they found the Royals were doing this, how you'd be upset, and you'd be disappointed. I would be the same if the Cubs did it this way. I'm happy the Cubs won it the right way. I'm happy the Royals won it the right way. I'm happy that it at least looks like right now that the Nationals won it the right way. So we can't say the same for the Astros and the Red Sox. Yes, sir. Couldn't have said it best right there. And just going quickly into Friday, the Redskins have announced they are cutting former All-Pro and Pro Bowler Josh Norman. This is a salary dump. It's also the fact that he really hasn't played as well in recent years as he had when he was at that all-pro level. So while it's kind of sad to see someone who we've loved to watch play like Josh Norman, we remember his feuds with Odell Beckham Jr. and all that kind of stuff, it is kind of sad to see him get cut like this. I can't say I didn't really see it coming. I have to think his time in the league is is running out. What do you think? I mean, at 32 years of age, he's it it's coming to an end. I mean, he's made his money. He's he's had a really good NFL career and you know, he had his shot at a Super Bowl with Carolina and it's just not something that was meant to be as good of a career as Darrell Revis, Richard Sherman, guys like that. But he had his time, and as being arguably one of the best corners in football, he's a corner who never backed down from a challenge. Never. 
even when it meant hitting another dude in the helmet with his hands. <laughs> I mean, sorry. <laughs> he's got game, and he's he's a player who who made football fun to watch. I mean, it was fun watching him and Odell go at each other, and it was fun. And his best years will be remembered in Carolina, I believe. Right? Yes, sir. Okay. And we are going to take a short break. And when okay. we come back, we are going to t- discuss the Friday news about Manchester City. We will be right back. Otto? Where are you? Otto? 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 You're on fire! R2-D2, you've found a cigarette. Well, I don't think smoking is grown up at all. Because it's very dangerous. Smoking does dreadful things to your lungs and is very bad for your heart. Well, I know I don't have one, but humans do, and I think we should set a good example. Well done, R2. Oh, hello. You know smoking is bad for your health. And it isn't grown up at all. So please, don't smoke. R2, do you really think I don't have a heart? Okay. Hey, this is KCOU, 88.1 FM. Are you trying to release the hottest project of this year, possibly next? Come down to our studio in the Student Center. Mix, master, record, edit, engineer your whole project, your whole artistic experience wrapped into one visit. Please come down and visit us. If any of this interests you, please email sessions at kcou.fm. You are listening to the weekly walk through the biggest headlines of your sports week compact into one hour. And this is KCU 88.1 FM Columbia or on KCU.FM. And going into this Man City thing, they were banned for two seasons, two years, 2020 or 2021 and 2022 from the Champions League. Ethan, you are a big Man City. You are one of you are the Mizzou ambassador. I believe that is the correct title, correct? Correct. For Man City on this campus. Go ahead. What is your statement on this? So, I am going to start with what UEFA, the European governing body of soccer, said. Then I'm going to explain what what the financial fair play rules are, and then I'm going to say what Man City said. Go ahead. All right. So starting with what UEFA said, uh, UEFA said that they found Manchester City to have committed serious breaches of the UEFA club licensing and financial fair play regulations by overstating its sponsorship revenue in its accounts and the break-even information submitted to UEFA between 2012 and 2016. Uh, the discipline they received was uh, 
It shall be excluded from participation in UEFA club competitions for the next two seasons, meaning the 2020-2021 and 2021-22 Champions League seasons, and pay a fine of 30 million uh, euros. This is an extremely big punishment. This is an extremely, extremely big punishment. Uh, the financial fair play regulations, uh, it's basically a break-even requirement for soccer clubs. Uh, in terms of revenue, a club's outgoings in transfers, employee benefits, finance costs, and dividends uh, are considered income, and then TV revenue uh, advertise, and advertise, ah, excuse me. So those were considered expenses, and then TV revenue, advertising, finance, player sales, and prize money are considered income. So you need to like break even in those to uh, to cross off and be playing by the financial fair play rules. Man City made a statement that said they're disappointed but not surprised by today's announcement, and they had always anticipated the ultimate need to seek out an independent body to uh, process and impartially consider the comprehensive body of evidence in support of its position. Uh, in December 2018, UEFA publicly previewed the outcome and sanction that, he'd, uh, that was going to be delivered to Manchester City before the investigation had even begun, so they said that they were going to punish them before they even investigated the crime. Uh, the subsequent flawed and consistently leaked process that was overseen meant that there was little doubt in the in what the punishment was going to be. And then simply put, this is very important. This case against Manchester City is a case initiated by UEFA, prosecuted by UEFA, judged by UEFA, and punished by UEFA. How fair does that sound to you? I believe that... When you get caught doing something wrong, regardless if you're cheating on a test at this university, you know, you're selling crack, you're doing whatever, you're committing an act of fraud when a business, doing any type of criminal activity or any type of things that are against rules and you get caught doing something, you get punished for such an act. And that is just how it goes. There's nothing... That anyone can say, Man City knows the rules on this. They're not stupid. They know the rules. Their lawyers know the rules. And they know that they cannot pay more than they so, more than they get. So basically what Man City is being punished for here is their owners investing money into the club that they own. That is what they're being punished for. They are owned by one of the royal families of the United Arab Emirates in Abu Dhabi. And they are being punished for that family and the chairman of the club investing his own money into the club. Like I said, it's still cheating. It's still cheating by the okay. laws that are presented now wait a to second. them. Now, wait a second. In these break-even requirements, how do you explain the fact that PSG has not been prosecuted for this when they have spent... 220 million euros on one single player? Are they when breaking even? No, they're obviously not. They've spent how do you over, know that? Because though? they've spent over two hundred million on two players we, on their team. But how do we know they're not breaking even? We know even. they're not breaking even. You have to prove it and they haven't been caught. You know why they haven't been caught? Because the chairman of PSG is on the UEFA board. If you look at all of the other major clubs in Europe, Milan in Europe's operating at, you know, hundred forty million dollars in debt. Real Madrid's borrowing money all over the place to help renovate their stadium and that kind of stuff. 
Barcelona operates in debt a lot of the time as well. The financial fair play rules are stupid. And Manchester City is now taking this ruling to the court of sport, I think is what it's called, in Switzerland, which is an independent governing body, which is basically what we knew would happen. It took, you know, 20 minutes of UEFA revealing this statement for Man City to say that they were that they were uh, appealing this case. So, first things first, um they won't be they won't be they'll, they'll be in the Champions League next year most likely because the appeal will take 6 to 8 months and for them to not be in the Champions League next year that ruling would have to come down in probably 3 to 4 months because the qualifying matches for uh the Europa and Champions League start in like the middle of July are you saying they will or will not? They be? will be just because the appeal won't be done in time. Oh, okay. The same okay. reason. The same reason we were talking about why you know Mizzou would maybe be in a bowl game this year yeah. or something like that. Because while the appeal is in process, the punishment can't be handed. Uh, yeah, down. I was I was making sure you weren't misspeaking. Okay, so that is important. And then, just in general, this is this this is something this club might not be able to recover from. If you're looking at the Champions League last year, uh. In terms of, they made $100 million from the Champions League alone last season. $90 million of that money was used to get the company and the club from the red to the black. If you take away that $100 million in revenue, how is that team supposed to, how is that team supposed to play by the rules? They can't play by the rules in that point in time. Because you take $10 million in, in income and revenue and money in the black and turn it into $90 million in the red. It's going to be impossible for this team to break even if they take away the Champions League money. But they take away the Champions League money because they cheated prior. And How are they supposed to stop cheating then? I'm just saying what's going on. It's a and harsh punishment, but it is a punishment it's, it's the, due to well, cheating. It's the, it's the harshest punishment that anyone can ever receive from UEFA. It's the top tier of punishments. And honestly, in my opinion, if you look at this... This court is going to rule in favor of Man City. The punishment is going to be either completely taken away or reduced. And and life is going to go on. And basically this this case, I, I know I have to wrap up what I need to say here. This case is this case is the end all be all for either Man City and everything they stand for or UEFA for any and everything they stand for. One of these people is going to lose big. In my opinion, this either completely destroys Manchester City Football Club, or it completely destroys UEFA and all of their financial rules. I don't think there's an in-between. And you've seen the Manchester City, you know, president. He's, you know, made a statement or leaked a statement or something like that that says he'd rather spend the $30 million fine that they have paying 50 lawyers to sue UEFA for 10 years than he would pay UEFA this $30 million fine. Because when you look at what's happening around the globe and around soccer, everybody is doing, all the big clubs are doing exactly what Manchester City is doing. Maybe not on the scale that Manchester City is doing it, but everybody is doing this, especially PSG. If Man City is guilty than this, PSG is the one club that really spends a lot more than they do. 
Moving on to Saturday. Mizzou defeated number 11 Auburn 85-73. Crazy game. We were there. That was so much fun. It was Yeah, it was a very good game. Mizzou giving the other Tigers their third loss of the season. Behind incredible defensive play, Auburn was shot one for 17 from three. And this goes back to what we were saying earlier about the three-point line. You look at a team like Auburn last year, and they are returning people like Samir Doughty, like McCormick, like McElmore, who were part of that team last year that made the Final Four run and shot the ball incredibly well. That team was a three-point shooting team. It was a live-by-the-three-die-by-the-three kind of team last year, which made it fun. And they lived a lot more than they died by it last year. This year, you get games like this when they're playing at Mizzou and three-point lines a little bit further back, and they shoot one for 17 from out there. The three-point line shouldn't be pushed back. We know this. (laughs) And another fun statistic from a team perspective for Mizzou, 55 from the field and 53% from three. Just an incredible performance. This team seems like they're clicking right now. And with a win like this, you you can you can say with some type of confidence that they can potentially win the SEC if they I are was clicking. Say, what's the what's the cap on how far they make it in the SEC tournament? Can they win it all? They can win it all. Okay. Uh, at least in my opinion. We got to keep rolling. Uh, Clemson beats number five, Louisville 77-62 for the Cardinals' second loss of the week to an unranked team. Good day for good day for Tigers yesterday, unless of course you're the Auburn ones. Uh, what's going on with the Cardinals? They're, they're playing, they're just playing poorly. They're shooting the three ball too much. They're, they're not able to get enough defensive stops relative to how their offensive production has been throughout the last week. And that's why you've seen them lose twice this week. They're, I mean, they're probably going to figure it out. They seem like they know what they're doing. And they've, they've put the ACC and the number one seed in the ACC back into the hands of the Duke Blue Devils. Uh, You moving on to your UFC fight night 167 last night. Well, it was really interesting, at least going on the main event, to see John Blahovich, the Polish 36-year-old, knocking out Corey Anderson, the 30-year-old American fighter who I have grown to like quite a lot. I thought that he was going to win this fight and then go on to fight John Jones, but obviously it is now in John's hands after knocking Corey out in one round. And after the fight, he called out John, saying that he wants to fight. And I believe John's going to give that to him. We don't know if Reyes is going to get an automatic rematch. He didn't necessarily ask for it too much after their controversial fight. So we will see what happens in that. I see John getting the title shot now with John. We got 60 seconds now for the most part. We got to do moments and upsets. You first. Mine was probably the Astros just acting like buffoons on national television. It was quite quite fun to watch. Along with that, I enjoyed the Lakers and Nuggets game. That was a fun game to watch. Mine comes from last night's All-Star Saturday night. You saw Bam Adebayo win the Skills Challenge. Buddy Heald win the three-point contest. But my moment of the week is going to come from Aaron Gordon throwing down some nasty, nasty dunks. Uh... Every dunk of his, except for the last one, was a 50 out of 50. Somehow he got a 47 out of 50 for dunking over 7-5 Taco Fall, which I don't see as right. He is now publicly retired from the dunk contest. He will not be doing it again after getting robbed twice I would say dunk he got contest twice championships. Uh, Derek, hats off to Derek Jones Jr. for what he did last night, but Aaron Gordon was just better. Fun fact of that, even though we will go a little bit over, fun fact on that uh, Kunch texted me and he said he said he's going to dunk over Taco and I was watching the Diego Sanchez fight the co-main and I was like 
oh, I got to turn this on. So I go to my, I go to the TV cable and I was like, oh, and then I saw him jump over him and then they scored it a 47. I was like, how is I thought that it even? was over. I thought it was, I thought he had won. I would have given him a 50 for dunking over taco. I didn't and get that's it. No disrespect to Derek Jones jr. Those guys could still be dunking against each other and getting fifties right now. They're incredible, incredible athletes. And then for my upset, I see Boise state beating the undefeated San Diego state Aztecs today at 3 PM. Uh, I'm taking Illinois over Penn State up at uh, up in Happy Valley in Penn State. That'll be a good game. Uh, but, yeah, I will take the Illini this week. I believe that game is Wednesday night. And we appreciate you guys watching. That does it for the weekly walkthrough this week where you get the biggest headlines of sports discussed for an hour-long period. Follow us at Weekly Walk KCOU. That is at Weekly Walk KCOU. And we will be back at the same time next week. We appreciate you all listening.